right, y'all, get ready for another edition of News and Trends with your host, Dave and Lynn. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to News and Trends with Dave and Lynn. I am one of your co-hosts, Leonard Young, CEO of National Black Guide, DelawareBlack.com, Black media specialist and the original all-around good guy here with my co-host, David P. Coker. How you doing, Dave? Hey, guys. Um, this is David Coker. Um, I'm proprietor of Dave Marketing, promoter media specialist, marketing specialist, all-around good guy. I am well, sir. I can't complain. Here we are Friday. Yes, sir. And um, the Friday before the Super Bowl, as we get ready to watch our Eagles do their thing, right? Definitely. Okay. Yeah. They, you know, or Monday will be a very upsetting <laughs> i know uh it, um sunday night will be chaos in the yeah, streets if the eagles yeah, don't that's win right yeah there you go yeah yeah so um it should be um it should be interesting um like i said we got the two black quarterbacks you know right in line with black uh black history month and um just hope for a good game um hope nobody gets hurt you know that type of thing and and of course, an eagle victory. Um, yep. You uh, got any plans for watching it? I don't know. I'll probably be at the house be home. You know, I know Tim, our, our buddy Tim Dog, is doing mm-hmm. um, the riverfront that day. Uh, at Timothy's. Excuse me. At Timothy's. So I know um, if anybody's looking for something to do, looking for a Super Bowl party, uh, DJ Tim Dog will be over at Timothy's. Um, during the game, they'll be playing music and having a good time over there at Timothy's at the riverfront. Um, I don't know. Probably, I'll I'll see, man. <laughs> that, <laughs> we'll see. that sounds like you're gonna be at the house. Yeah, you know that's the only thing with those games. There's it's such a long day, yeah. and then you know, of course, the Rihanna Rihanna's during the halftime. You want right. to see that, yeah. you know, you do. Uh, because you can't enjoy it. At, uh, Unless everybody's going to be quiet and, you know, you mm-hmm. can hear the TV real good or, you know, I'd rather be home to see something like that because you remember last year, you know, the halftime was lit last year. So, yeah, you know, that was. Yeah. So and we and I, I watched it right from my living room. <laughs> see, that's what I'm talking about. That's where you want to be. So, um, so we'll, you know, I, I probably will be, I probably will uh, be here. We'll see, but I'll be here probably. Okay. Um, are you doing anything or are you going to be home? Um, so I plan to be home watching it. So if 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 it's anything other than that, then it's probably going to be a last minute thing. OK. All right. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Well, we I guess we'll see what happens um, um, and see what happens um, with the Super Bowl as well. We also had some other history that happened this week. Um, LeBron James broke Kareem Abdul's record. Um, to become the number one scorer in the NBA of all time, over thirty-eight thousand <laughs> points. Crazy! That is a record, Leonard, that nobody ever thought would ever be broken. And well, you know, it's funny when I looked at the stats and I saw how far behind Michael Jordan was, and I was like, "Damn, that's yeah, a lot of damn but, points." But you got to understand, Jordan was out of basketball for a couple of years. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that and that's why that's probably you know, because otherwise he would have had Jordan probably would have had that record. Mm-hmm. Um call but, Malone. But you know, he, but, you know I think Jordan was still about six thousand points away, and I'm like, damn. But see, that's the thing. He could have did that in yeah. two seasons. He could have did that yeah. in a couple of seasons, believe me. Um, um, you know, if he decided to play, because he ended up retiring and then he came back and played for Washington. Right. So, but those couple of years that he didn't play, well, that that when he was playing baseball or pretending to be a baseball player, um, you know, that that hurt his chances there. But Le- LeBron and on another thing, LeBron did it in 150 less games than right. Kareem. But of course, the game has changed since Kareem played. Like Kareem only took right. one three point shot. You know, mm-hmm. he only made one three point shot. You his know, whole LeBron's career got yeah, his whole career. Damn. He only made wow. one three point shot. So of course, nowadays that's all these dudes do is shoot from yeah. the three point line. So right. Uh, so a lot of those points that LeBron scored. You know, you know, there were three pointers in there, so it made it easier for him to get to those that mark. You know, so. But congratulations to LeBron. Uh, Kareem's always been my favorite player, so you know, I, it was kind of hard watching him pass. But <laughs> you know, but Kareem yeah. was very gracious in 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 the whole thing. He was there, and you know, he just handled everything so well. So that was cool. Well, I mean, Dave and and LeBron's def- or his defense, he ain't have no choice. You know, to, to to be televised like that. Oh yeah, and everybody was there. Did you did you see that? Or, or, I mean, Jay Z, all them dudes yeah. sitting courtside, man. Usher, right. you know, everybody was there. You know, so and everybody as soon as the record broke, you know, everybody came rushing on the court. It was it was crazy. So, but you know, Black History, man, Black Excellence. What what can we say? You know, so yep. That's all right, true. So speaking of that. um, you know, we're going to move right into our show. Um, we're going to have a sort of abbreviated show, folks, because, uh, you know, I know people are used to hearing us talk for, you know, a certain period of time. But um, we're going to do it. We're, we're going to just talk about um, some black history facts that you guys are people and facts that you guys may not know about because they're not taught in school. Um um, and of course, a lot of black history isn't taught in school nowadays. That's unfortunate. Um, I'm still finding out stuff that I didn't learn in school, and I can imagine yeah, we we all are. Yeah, and I can imagine what young people are not being taught now. You know, so. Mm-hmm. But we came, me and Leonard came across some some things that we found that might be interesting. Um, that um, to you guys as far as um. Black history is concerned. So we're going to take and go through each one, um, kind of give a brief synopsis of what uh, what they're saying. Um, I'll start with the first one. Uh, it says here, why Black History Month is celebrated in February. And it, it talks about every year in February, we celebrate the contributions of Black Americans as part of Black History Month. But even so, there are many groundbreaking people, places, and events whose legacies have been overlooked or forgotten. Black History Month, as we know it uh, today, grew out of Negro History Week. Now, it started out as a week, folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> then, 
but of course they put it in the shortest month. So the, the shortest month always seems like a week to me anyway, but that's another story. Which first took place in 1926 in the second week of February to align with Abraham Lincoln and Frederick Douglass' birthdays on the 12th and the 14th, respectively. Never mm, knew okay. this. Did you yeah. know this? Uh, but, you know, I knew that I knew President's Day. Now, we don't hear much about it anymore, but President's Day used to be right around Valentine's Day, right around the middle of the month. So I guess that's for Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, but I mean, the, but, you know, the line Abraham Lincoln and, and Frederick Douglass up, well, because right. of their birthdays, I guess, because they were yeah. a couple days apart. But they said the week-long celebration was spearheaded by Harvard education, educated Black historian Carter G. Woodson, who yeah. wrote a book in 1916 detailing the, um, the overlooked contributions of African Americans in America, titled The Journey, no, I'm sorry, The Journal of Negro History. In 1976, President Ford finally declared Black uh, February Black History Month, urging Americans to seize the opportunity to honor the too often neglected accomplishments of Black Americans in every area of endeavor throughout our history. Um, these facts to celebrate Black History Month deserve to be remembered every month of the year. I wonder, though, what went into thinking of picking February, though. I mean, I know we have the president's birthday mm -hmm. and all that stuff but why not give us one of them 31 day months <laughs> you know but, what i but, mean but but you know it's kind of like they said they they didn't plan for it to be a month you know it, yeah, it just it started happened out week. It started yeah, out so week. yeah so i mean like that that's why i always laugh when people say oh you know black history month why i gotta be the shortest month of the year because it, it, it really started as a week and it, it just happened to, yeah. right yeah and they said so, okay let's give them the whole month okay right so, yeah. It's all, it, they said, hey, let's give them the whole month. It's, it's the shortest month of the year. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we can stop the Negroes from celebrating all month, you know, for 31 right. days. You know, so. Yeah, we, we, yeah. we uh, take three days back. <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. So yeah, well, why don't you look at uh, do the next one? All right. So the, the second one, and I did not know this. It said Black History Month has a different theme every year. So it says since its inception in 1976. Oh, okay. So I guess that's when it's transferred over from mm. week to month. Yeah. But mm -hmm. and actually that was the year I was born. So it goes perfect with Delaware Black, National Black God, all that. But God, I was um, 10th grade at that time, Leonard. Were you? Damn you old. <laughs> um, I'm just joking. Or damn, I'm young. Yeah. <laughs> so so of course it's transitioned in 1976. And today, many organizations celebrate Black history, such as Target, Google, and social media companies such as Instagram have um, hashtags dedicated to Black History Month every year. Now, every year, the Association for the Study of African-American Life and History chooses a theme around which to center their Black History Month celebrations. So last year, the theme was African-Americans and the vote. And then it says in 2021, the theme was Black family, representation, identity, and diversity. Now, with that said, it doesn't mention what the theme for this year is. 
but um it says that let's see nope it doesn't say what the theme is for this year but i mean but that's one thing they I've, i've never heard a general theme for black history month so you know this is interesting and um probably while we're talking about the next one i'll see what the theme for this year is yeah because i mean and that's one of the reasons i wanted to talk about this stuff because here i mean we're learning we're learning as we're talking about it folks i mean this is stuff Mm -hmm. that we didn't know anything about okay Uh, okay so the theme for this year is black resistance explores how African-Americans have addressed historic and ongoing disadvantage and oppression as evidenced by recent events. So wow. this year is Black resistance. That's interesting. Wow. Okay. I'm still tripping about the theme all every year. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, yeah, you know. Learn so. something new every year. Yeah, there you go. There you go. See, you only learn this kind of stuff on news and trends, guys. You gotta listen to us. You got, you know, we're breaking, we're breaking, um, you know, we're groundbreaking. You know, we're we're putting it out there. That's why we're trending. Okay, <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. The National Civil Rights Museum is in a somber location. <laughs> That's interesting, right? It says everyone should visit the National Civil Rights Museum in our favorite place right now, Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an immense experience steeped in history and emotion. And it's not the and it's not only the artifacts the museum houses that are notable. The museum itself is located on the former site of Lorraine Motel where Martin Luther King Jr. was tragically assassinated on April 4th, 1968. Wow, this just gets better and better, doesn't it? Um the facade is still there to remind visitors of what happened that day. Noel Trent, PhD, Director of uh, um, Interpretations, Collections, and Education at the Museum, tells Reader's Digest the preservation of historic sites, especially the Lorraine Motel, is important because of physical structures, space, and geography um, interprets history in a manner that cannot be expressed by words or photographs. There is power in a place. Um, And then it talks about, you know, uh, the different uh, photos of Martin Luther King that have to go along with that. But (laughs) even then, Memphis was a hotbed, huh? Yeah, definitely. Wow. if I go, if I ever go down that way, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm aware, I'm aware of uh, all type of protective padding uh, mm-hmm. before I walk into the, walk into the place, you know. Yeah, so. um, I'll, I'll just say real quick, um, talking about somber places in Alabama, where they had their um, African American or, um, you know, historical museum is right next to um the 16th street church where there was a bomb oh and, wow you know, are you serious yeah so right yeah so you know in parts of going through the museum you can you know look at certain things regarding the bombing and in the window you can see the church right across the street so you know it definitely has a a, a very somber feeling too unbelievable unbelievable okay all right 
Let's move on to the next one. Okay. So this one, never heard of it. The importance <laughs> of Fort Mose. So I'm just going to read this one. Of all the cities you learned about in school that no longer exist, Fort Mose is one of the most important. More than 250 years ago, when people who had escaped their enslavement made their way to St. Augustine, Florida, the oldest continuously inhabited city in America, they were welcomed by the Spanish who valued their skills and contributions. In 1938, the governor rewarded them by establishing the town that went on to become known as Fort Mose. It was first official. It was it was the first officially sanctioned town for free black men in what is now the United States and had a population of about a hundred. In 1973, the you Fort keep saying was 19. Let me let me. Oh, I'm interrupt. sorry. 1773. Yes, thank you, Dave. <laughs> in 1773, the fort was seceded to the British under the Treaty of Paris and the free Black residents were evacuated to Cuba with the Spanish. That's interesting. The British then destroyed the site during the War of 1812. Today, it is a historic state park. These wonderful African, uh, I'm sorry, these wonderful American landmarks celebrate Black culture. Yeah. Wow, that, that's interesting. I don't know what's going on over there with my partner, folks. You know, he's making up oh numbers, all kinds of stuff over here. But, but that is interesting, though. And and the fact that they went to Cuba, yeah, because you know a lot of people from Cuba look black. Yeah, so you know, yeah, it, they, it, they, it they kinda, were very dark skinned people. Yeah, yeah, you know, kind kind of makes sense now. Yeah, and that was in the 1700s, boy. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's some black history right there, folks. You know. Um, I tell you, um, and like I said, we're learning as we're we're talking about this stuff because I mean, this seems like this is stuff that we should know about. You know what I mean? That we should have heard of prior to this. So, all right, the next one: James McCoon Smith was the first African American doctor. James McCoon Smith was the first African American to hold a medical degree and the first African American to run a pharmacy. Um, no American university was willing to admit him. He forced he was forced to travel to Scotland to earn his degree from the University of Glasgow. After graduating in 1837, he practiced medicine for nearly two decades at the Colored Orphan Asylum in Manhattan. Contributed uh, papers to um, scholarly journals and was widely respected as an intellectual. He was an abolish, uh, he was uh, abolitionist who helped enslaved people cap, wait, who helped enslaved peoples escape and found their way to freedom via the Underground Railroad. Despite his accomplishments, Smith was never admitted into the American Medical association this is why desegregation didn't put an end to racism in america wow so smart and as this guy was and all that he did the amm the ama would not let him in yeah not not surprised 1837 yep uh sounds about white <laughs> 
Okay, that was a good one. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah but it's also true, though. It's also true. Wow. And he was helping people, you know, mm-hmm. through, through the Underground Railroad, too. Wow. Unbelievable. Okay. All right. And had to, and was forced out of America because nobody right. would let him in, let him in to um, do his education. Wow, that's crazy. That's yeah, I know, I know. Only because of the color of his skin. Yeah, if he looked like Babe Ruth, I guess he would have, he would have been all right, huh? Oh yeah, he he, he would have passed flying colors. Passed. Yeah, there you go. Probably, probably would have had a couple colleges named after him. Yeah. And by the way, the Babe Ruth story, one of my coworkers said, yeah, I heard that about Babe Ruth. So that was cool that y'all talked about. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I, yeah. I try. Yeah. 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 So, all right. Let's go to the next one. All right. So the, the next one is a little bit uh, truncated, but it says students had a big impact on the civil rights movement. So basically what they're saying is, you know, of course, we know people like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. But students, um, high school and college students also had a big impact on, um, you know, being active in the civil rights movements. Here it says young people have been critical actors in the fight for civil rights in the United States, from the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee to the Congress for Racial Equality Freedom Riders to the 1964 Freedom Summers Council of Federated Organizations. Youth were participants and leaders in key protests and movements. And uh, Dave, I think we know that has not changed today. A lot of the Black Lives Matter, a lot of, you know, the um, police killings and, you know, tragic situations. There's, you know, I can say we see a lot of youth out there, a lot of young adults, a lot of millennials, a lot of high school students. So, you know, um, that's something that's still going on today. Yep, that, that is true. I mean, it's, it's a shame to say that it's still going on, but it is. Yeah. So, OK, so students, students always had their hands in it. OK, right. Uh, hold on. Let's see. I just got kicked out of what I was looking at. Okay, this next one, I didn't know this one either. George Edwin Taylor ran for president in the year 1904. Um, So long before Barack Obama became the first black president of the United States, George er Edwin Taylor ran for president as a member of the National Negro Liberty Party in 1904. Though the journalist and the newspaper editor received only 2,000 votes, Teller deserves to be remembered for his groundbreaking um, political run from voter suppression to lack of representation. Black people are still being shut out of America's political process. Sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and he got 2,000 votes, so we know they were all black people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I'm sure. So, but uh, 1904, that's pretty brave of him to take that even, to even take a chance of trying to become president. Right. Because we know what would have happened if he became president. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so, we already know. So, okay. 
All right, so next we have uh, Sister Rosetta Thark knew how to rock. So when it comes to rock and roll, um, a lot of the boys seem to get credit, but Sister Rosetta Thark was known as a godmother of rock and roll for a reason. Born in 1915, Thark blazed a musical trail with her distinctive voice and rollicking guitar combining secular and spiritual music in her own unique brand of rock and roll. Such greats as Chuck Berry, Elvis, Bob Dylan, Johnny Cash, all have credited her influence on their music. Wow. Okay. I, I've never heard of her. And, and now I'm curious to, uh, you know, see what her music sounds like. Well, it's so funny that you said that you never heard of her and we happen to be talking about her. Have you seen the new movie Elvis? No, I, I boycotted she's Elvis. Talked about, she's talked about in that movie. Oh, wow. Because she was a big influence on him. And he wanted to play. He would listen. He would stand out like there was this particular club or something she used to play in all the time. He mm -hmm. would stand out on the street and listen to her sing. And, um, oh, wow. And he got to know her, and she taught him how to play certain riffs on the guitar and all of that stuff. But yeah, it's in the movie. It's in the movie Elvis. Oh wow! Okay, that's that's yeah. good to know. Yeah, yeah. So if you yeah, you say you boycotted Elvis. <laughs> did you say that for real? I did. Okay. Why? Why is that? Well, it's two reasons. One, you know, uh, Elvis racist history, and then two. You know, I already told you about movies with a lot of singing and music uh, yeah, in them. Or... Right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. But, you know, it's funny. You hear that all the time about Elvis. But, like, when you look at that movie that they did about mm -hmm. him, it kind of shows the opposite. Right. Yeah, so um, just interesting because he grew up on the other side of the tracks himself. So, um, but that's another that's another story. We're not going to try. <laughs> We're going to try to yeah. say Elvis is black. So, but anyway. Right, right, right. <laughs> so. All right. I think we heard of this next person, but go ahead. Yep, it's on you. No, I just read that one. Oh, no, I didn't. You did. Okay. Yes, it sounded you. like my... Yeah, no. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> pioneering Olympian and activist Wilma Rudolph. Wilma Rudolph was an um, African-American athlete who became the first woman to win three medals at the Summer Olympics in 1960. Having achieved her dream, she returned home and refused to participate in celebratory um, parade if it was segregated. As a result, the parade and banquet stone in her honor were the first events to be integrated in her hometown of Clarksville, Tennessee. Another Tennessee area of thing. Um, Sports have long provided an important platform for activism, for social equality, I mean, racial equality, and learn the history behind the clenched fist and how it became a black power symbol. So she demanded, you know, that, you know, um, there was, you know, no segregation, you know, she was going to be honored and she got her way. So that's good. Yeah, yeah it's good. She was a great athlete, though. Okay. All okay. Right. All right. Next, we have Jane Banning's Inspiring Achievement. And I can say I've never heard of him. 
But here it says you probably heard of Charles Lindbergh, Amelia Earhart, but the name James Banning deserves to be right up there with them. Accompanied by Thomas Allen, Banning's history-making flight departed from L.A. on September 18, 1932, and landed in Long Island, New York on October 9th. 1932, making uh -huh. Allen and Banning the first African-Americans to fly across the country. Unfortunately, Banning was killed in a plane crash at an air show just three months later. Tragically, his death occurred because of racial prejudice, because he was Black. Banning was not allowed to pilot the plane despite his years of experience and instead was a passenger in a craft piloted by a less experienced pilot from the San Diego Naval Air Station. Wow. That's crazy. And you notice they didn't say what color that person was, but no, but reading, yeah, I mean, between, we, 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 reading between the lines, I think yeah, we already what, know. What, right? what they, it's funny, just reading it and just knowing how we are, I almost yeah. put the word in there. Like I, I was looking for the word. Like I was looking for it because I was about to say it. I was like, okay, yeah. they didn't say it, so I'm not going to say it. But but we yeah. know. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Oh man, that's messed up, man. That is really messed mm -hmm. up. But here again, you know, they didn't think we we're smart enough, and they don't think. Well, we just read about the doctor. They wouldn't let in the universities here. So yeah. you know. All right. Unbelievable. Okay, the wreckage of America's last known slave ship was fi was finally found. Okay, although owning, buying, and selling enslaved people was still legal in 1860, the important uh, importation of the enslaved was a crime. However, one plantation owner, Timothy Mayer, bet that he would be able to sneak a new ship full of enslaved people into the country. Always one, I tell you. That ship was the uh, Clotilda, Clotilda, and as soon as it reached its destination, the captain transferred his prisoner to a new boat and deliberately sank the ship to avoid detection. Descendants of the African people forcibly bought, brought to America on the Clotilda are still residents in Africa town which their ancestors founded after being freed by Union soldiers in 1865. They had originally attempted to return to Africa, but could not gather enough funds to do so. But 459 years later, in 2019, it was announced that the wreckage of the Clotilda had been found in Alabama's Mo Mobile River. Mobile River. You know what that is? Mobile, Validating. yeah, huh? You Mobile, do? Okay. yes, down south. Okay. Oh, okay, uh, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm up north, and that one's way down south. Okay, near the ocean. Val okay, validating the painful history in the, the history record uh, records. So that's down, that's south, that's south of where you are. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's at the very bottom of Alabama, close to what's that? That the Atlantic Ocean, the Atlantic. Gulf. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. Oh, let's go to the next one real quick. Uh, one of our most famous people. Yeah. Michelle Obama is more than a 
groundbreaking first lady. And I mean, this this stuff we already know. Yeah. But it says Michelle Obama will go down in history as the first black first lady. But her accomplishments don't just end there. Michelle Obama is a Harvard educated lawyer, mom of two brilliant black girls and an author. Her book, which is Becoming, was the best selling book of 2018 and the second best selling book of 2019. So basically, she made bank. To soak up a little bit of her grace and wisdom, um, she also has a ton of inspiring quotes out there that you can Google yourself as well. So, I mean, for Michelle Obama, th this is nothing new. Um, I did not know her <laughs> book was the best-selling for 2018 and second best in 2019. So um, I'm, I know she made a gang of money because she went on that tour, too. So. Yeah. yeah, and she outsold, she outsold her husband. Because mm -hmm. he even had to admit, she said, "Oh, she's the best author in the family." What can I say? <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. yeah. um, okay. Go ahead, Michelle. Our forever first lady. Okay. So, uh, this next one, real quick: the first public high school for African Americans opened in 1870. The first public high school for African Americans, Paul Lawrence Dunbar High. Open in Washington, D.C., and, and of course, it's still open. Dunbar High School is a very popular um, school down there in D.C. In 1870, just five years after the end of the Civil War, named after Dunbar, acclaimed Black writer, the school generated, I mean, graduated many luminaries, including the first Black Army general, the first Black um, president cabinet member, the first Black graduate of the Naval Academy, Many high schools, including Dunbar Vocational High School in Chicago, pictured above. Oh, I didn't mean to read that. <laughs> has, <laughs> have also adopted Dunbar's name. Bookmark this read on anti-racism means what it means to be an anti-racist. Huh? Okay, that's that's a caveat. But um, Dunbar um, Dunbar High School in in D.C. is a very popular school for. Um, basketball. A lot of pro basketball players um, came out of that that school as well. So, but um, yeah, I also remember uh, when I went to college in Florida, we had a lot of people from the DMV area who were from Dunbar. I I, I heard that name often enough. I, I knew what it was. Oh yeah, now, Dunbar, now I didn't. Yeah. I did not know it was the oldest. But um, yeah, yeah, yes, Dunbar, good to know. Ever, anybody that played basketball coming up or whatever, they all know about Dunbar High School. It was always in the it was always one in the top ten as far as top basketball um, teams in the country. Yeah, always, always. So, um, okay, and we got one more here. Uh, yep. So the next one is the first African American to dine at the White House, feared for his life. So th this is interesting. So in 1901, with segregation still in force, President Theodore Roosevelt invited educator Booker T. Washington, who was formerly enslaved, to dine with him and his family at the White House. News of the dinner led to outrage and even death threats for Washington. But not Roosevelt. Isn't that weird? But for Washington. Yeah. Yeah. He later said he almost didn't accept the invitation knowing it would be controversial, but he felt compelled to accept 
on behalf of his entire race. Booker T, <laughs> you know, Booker yeah. T did his thing. He went, he said, look, he said, I'm scared to death, but I'm <laughs> gone. He yeah. said, you know, because he knew he was going to eat, <laughs> you know, so. Um, but, of course, we all, you know, Booker T is no stranger to, shouldn't be any stranger to any of us because he has a, you know, he, his place in history is definitely um, right, uh, righteous. And, um, and but I never knew this story about him. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, My first so, time hearing this one. Yeah, but you imagine being him and, and like walking up the walking up to the White House for the for the for that dinner. You probably he probably had his head on a swivel the whole time. Man. Oh yeah, I'm sure. You know that that would be the same if uh if for some reason Trump invited you to the White House for dinner and you decided to go. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I'd be, be like, I'd be like, look. Look, every little noise I hear, I'd be like, I'd be ducking every time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what's that? What's that? What's that? Right. You know, I'll be looking outside the window. I'll be looking outside the window, seeing that people are climbing up the walls or whatever. You know, that's right. Type of I, um, I was going to say, too, they probably would happen to seat you so your back can't be against the wall. <laughs> so you, 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 you'll be right in the middle. Look, I would have my cell phone in my hand with, with the mirror feature on, <laughs> you know, so I can look it back on me the whole time. You know, and uh, nah, man, I uh, hanging out with Trump like that, you know. And then, um, I would say, Mr. Trump, could I use some of your taste testers to taste my food before I eat? You know, so that's what I would do. So, but, um, but these are the these are the facts, people. These are real things that we just read. That I mean, you heard me and Leonard say we didn't know any of this. We well, no. Well, we didn't know any, really, any of this yeah. stuff, really, yeah. to be I mean, honest with you. Bits and pieces. Yeah, I mean, we knew of the people, some of the people in here, but, you know, to, to, hear, to hear some of the things, and we, you know, this is the time to talk about these kind of things and bring them to light because, you know, like like we said earlier, you know, the, you know a lot of stuff is, is not being taught in schools these days. So, right. yeah, so, but we'll we'll teach you. David Lim will. <laughs> yeah, we uh, we gonna learn you something for you were, this Black gonna History learn, Month. You you gonna learn today. You gonna learn today. Right. Yeah. So, but we want to take the time to say thank you for listening. That's that's our uh, Black History lesson today um, for our Black History Month um, contribution um, for this week. Um, we only got two more weeks of it, folks. So make sure you're listening and tuning in so you learn some things, you know, because we teaching right now. We teaching. Okay. Um, Lynn, you got anything you want to add before we break out? No, just a regular. Hope everyone has a, a great weekend. And, um, you know, we'll catch you on Tuesday. Okay. On Valentine's Day, right? Yep. Uh, Pre-recorded, aired that day. Yes, sir. <laughs> You know, hear what he did there, right? Okay, all right. Well, well no, Dave, Dave, you know, I um, I just got to make sure, that, you know, they don't think... He already, you know, he already let you know. Never mind, I'm going to leave it alone. You know. yep. <laughs> all right, and of course, after the Eagles' victory, I think the Eagles' yes. parade will probably be that, you know, I'm thinking it'll be Wednesday or Thursday next week, I'm sure. So, so. all right. But anyway, once again, thank you for listening and have a good evening. And we'll talk to you on Tuesday.
next week, ladies and gentlemen, for another edition of News and Trends with your hosts, Dave and Lynn.